Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio as always by Luke Fitzgerald. Will, how are we? I'm not too bad, Luke. And at the top of the show, this is actually becoming a recurring theme where I, I give myself some more praise. But you're involved in it this time. Nice. Good the Left hear. Wing has been nominated for the Digital Excellence Award at this year's Journalism Awards. Yeah, you told me this today. I'm very, yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about this. Um, Good, perhaps? Um, Happy? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just deep inside. No, no, look, no, it's great. It's great for the show. I think, uh, you know, we put a put a good bit of effort in, and we and we've uh, lots of good people working around us. So uh, good recognition for for all involved. I think I have two kind of points to make. One. Would this be better than winning a Pro 12 title? I was just going to say, maybe it's because I've won a few of those things and I just, I suppose I haven't, I had like I hadn't been pictured as I haven't got this on my wall at home, like, you mm. know, the Digital Excellence Award. Yeah. Well, it's, we haven't won it yet. So. We, yeah, well, I, as in I haven't, maybe that's why it hasn't just sunk in yet. Um, look, it'll still be big if we win. It would be better it than winning be, a Pro 12. It would be, look, let's call it on par. Uh, okay. Let's not devalue the, the possible award and all the hard work that everyone's put in here. So, uh Let's put it. It's for me now. This it is. It's the new Pro Fourteen for me. Yeah, I, mm. I'm hoping that having a high profile name attached to this show will help <laughs> us win, this, win the award. You picked the wrong person. Man. No, I'm saying like, you know they like to give awards to quote yeah, famous people. Yeah. And this quote, is like a man of the match award where I they just know. give it to Johnny because I'm, no one else. I'm thinking, everyone's playing fairly average. I don't know. I'm thinking this could no, work in our man. favor. I'm telling you. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, I think maybe if it was like uh, I don't know one of our our enemies, like the the hard yards need Raj or something oh, attached. Like he's he's big enough deal. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm a big enough deal to be honest. So don't get your hopes up. Is what I'm saying. Okay, well we'll part the word talk for now. Okay. One thing we did want to come back to though was mm. your commentary experience. We 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 touched on it last week. Yeah. Uh, how did you get on? You're working with Mark Robinson. Robbo, Robbo, I know. I got in big trouble. I missed. Uh, I didn't get the email to say don't call people by their nicknames. I was trying what? to be conversational, and I think it might have annoyed that- a lot of people watching. <laughs> I kind of heard myself saying it, but then I just couldn't stop myself. I don't know what it was. And I had a few. Was there actually an email? Or is that a joke? 
Uh, no, there was an email. I don't know, Sky are, no, is in there. They're honestly, like, I, I give them a lot of praise. I love working with them. They're very professional. They cover all the bases. Apparently, there was something, and I just didn't see it. You were uh, accused of brown-nosing Sky in the podcast last uh, week. Yeah, I know. They were actually delighted, as, as you would be. But, I, I, you know, to be honest, I like to feel I'm fairly honest. And that's how I feel about, about working with them. Love working with them. Um, and, you know, I don't really do it. It's not like, you know, it's not really a financial thing for me, to be honest. Well, I'm sure um, they pay it. They do, but it's not. It's not like a you know. It wouldn't be like a, a normal other a gig you get to be honest with you. Yeah. I like working with them. I think it's good. They're good brand to be associated with. I think I learn a lot from watching them. I think what I would say about the commentary thing is that I learn lots. Like it's yeah, very well, difficult. Tell, to tell be... us a bit about the kind of. Obviously, it's a lot different to being a pundit where you just get asked a couple of questions. Yeah, you have to kind of come yeah. in and out. Like well, part of it, like you know, you look at. I suppose that the people who are, I think are the best at it at the moment are probably Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville and. I obviously make a few mistakes when I'm in there. I'm still learning the ropes. I've only done it like three, maybe three times. Um, and not like, and like not in a row, yeah. which kind of makes it, you know, easier. You can learn from like week to week and I uh, haven't had an opportunity to do that. But I still had a few wees, a few uses and a few hopefullys for Leinster, which I couldn't hide. But like, I think you look at Jamie Carragher, he doesn't really try to hide it too much either. Um, and I'm not saying that I, I, I do think I'd like to get to a point where, I'm still able to give an unbiased, you know, obviously people know I'm going to be biased towards Leinster. Um, you know, obviously that they're, you know, they're the only team I've played for. I obviously love everything about the, the place and, and still very friendly with a lot of the guys. So I'm going to be, I, I try to be as analytical as I can be and give an honest, you know, assessment of the game. But it was hard a few times to, to hide. I could hear I could hear myself saying, stop saying hopefully, <laughs> but I couldn't stop saying we. I had a few we's, a few us's, and a few robos, which were disappointing. But <laughs> I think I will get better at it. I hope I will. See, and would you be the person who would like search your name in social media after the match to see what I people... had a look at Twitter. I had a feeling I was going to get some stick. And yes, there was a few people who were paying their Sky subscriptions were not happy with the biased <laughs> commentary. But um if I get another opportunity, which I hope I do, um, I will do better. Yeah, what's I, will, I will. Sorry, I will endeavour to do better. Yep. I can't promise that I won't be biased. I will try and hide it as best I can for people who are disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's it like when you do type in your name? Like, do you like? like it must be kind of. Like... Uh, well, look, it's tough at times. You like, you, I think you. To be honest with you, I think if you're going to look it up, you have to look up the bad stuff as well as the good stuff. I looked up at all the people saying, you know, in the Kimmage stuff, it was like. How unprepared was Luke Fitzgerald? And I was like, I actually, I did about three or four hours of hard graft on that. I just had it in one book. I didn't bring in all my legal documents from two years ago and I didn't print out a GAA handbook. But, and I also didn't get to speak that much during the second start of thing. But, so I read those things uh, and I think it's important to read the bad stuff as well as the good stuff. And I think sometimes while some of it's fairly, I mean, you see all the fake usernames who are just abusing you, like, that's going to happen. Maybe you can disregard those ones. But you do learn stuff when, when you're like reading the bad stuff as well. I don't really, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not insensitive, but I would uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm able to take the bad stuff. Um, and sometimes I like reading the good stuff too. So I'm pretty normal. I'm pretty human. <laughs> uh, I, I'm tape, capable of taking the bad stuff provided it's one comment amid like 15 good ones or else, you know, they might, I'm just throwing uh, out off kill them. <laughs> there was, listen, you get like, and even you get like guys like, uh, like Donald O'Callaghan, like, and he has a view on on on. You like, read that? Yeah, I read, I read it. it and, well. and like, yeah, like, look. At the same time, like, you have to read that. And like, Dunnick is a, a guy who I actually, you know, I like a lot. And uh, you did like him until then. No, I do <laughs> like. I still like Dunnick, and he's very, very. You know, he's entitled to his opinion. Like, uh, like what I would say is, be careful about what you think prepared is and what prepared isn't, and what you feel. You know, it's important to actually address this because I think. Uh, every other player that I've talked to was delighted with the. Even though I felt we, I was very disappointed with the Kimmich stuff. I thought that, 
you know, we let him completely control, um, you know, the, the interview. He looked like a pro, which he is a pro. He's out of 30 years. And that was the danger going on with something like that. But we didn't really get him to answer any questions. We didn't really stay on agenda. We let him promo his bloody book even. Um, so I was disappointed with it. But, um, you know, at the same time, the only reason I went on really was to make sure I told him what I thought. Um, and I'd got to do that. And I think... Um, while we did look unpre possibly unprepared, we weren't unprepared. We just didn't have massive, you know, you, you got to be careful about how things look. Um, you know, a big binder looks good, but really you've just carried that in from home. Um, so I would say be careful about what you think prepared is. I think he did dominate us. He looked like a professional, which he has been for a long time. And, um, you know, uh, I would say to Donica, be careful about what you what you see on camera as to what you really, like, I mean, I had a, I had a I had about 10 pages of notes done it. So I, I felt I was prepared for it, but we just, it was difficult to control him. So I was disappointed a little bit that maybe he bought what, what looked like was there and, um, you know, what was on camera rather than what really was on paper. But I suppose you can only see what he can see and he can, and I suppose he listened to the interview as well. So I think possibly he probably thought the start of it was us not controlling him. But, uh, well, not, not us, but me not controlling the interview or, or whatever. Well, we have Neil Francis in the studio with us now, Irish Independent and Sunday Independent columnist to discuss the Champions Cup action, how the province is getting on. And before... I just want to have a disclaimer at the top of it. In case any Connick fans listen to this and again give out that we haven't covered them, next week we have a bumper Connick episode with their flanker, Jake Heenan, going to be in studio with us. It's going to be all Connick. Today, it is the focus on the Champions Cup provinces, but just to let the fans know that there will be a Connick special coming next week. So, delighted to be joined now in studio by Neil Francis. Uh, and Neil, before we go into the Champions Cup action, I just wanted to get your opinion about Warren Gatlin's comments uh, he was in the media finally yesterday talking about Sean O'Brien's criticism of the coaching staff on the Lions tour. And he said that he hated the tour because of the negative uh, press of the uh, New Zealand uh, guys gave him and how he doesn't want to do it again. And now the Sean O'Brien stuff hurt him. What did you make about the way he went about his business yesterday? Do you believe him? <laughs> I, uh, I think he, he uh, at this stage, he's a master of, of playing everybody. So was that a first reaction? Maybe he didn't. He, he didn't like it. He didn't like what uh, what the New Zealand press said said to him and said about him. Uh, and I think that was uh, that manifested in what he said. And it's taken this long to, uh, you know, I thought at this stage he would be, you know, enjoying and basking in the in the what I would sort of think is a a victory in in, in one sense, like a one all, one all in that series, you know, to go down there to win and they did very well and uh, against most people's expectations um, he said it took the gloss off the series for him no it didn't the O'Brien comments yeah. Yeah. I think he's playing up there like yeah. I think he, like the, the general consensus after is exactly as Neil said it's a superb result against a team that had only lost to Ireland I think it was 1-21 in they lost or 22 and you see what they just they've just done the championship like it's a serious result to go down and get it now Weird that they we ended up with a draw. Uh, you know, I think it was a, a massive mistake not to have extra time or something like that. And you know, there's a little bit of good fortune thrown in there with the Sonny Bill Williams bit of madness with the the shoulder to the head, and they looked like they were pressing fairly hard at the end. But I think an incredible uh, result, you know. And I suppose. And what about the reaction? The reaction, I think, like to say you're hurt. I'm a bit like I I can't imagine that guy would be too hurt. I mean, he's fairly. Renown has been fair. I know myself, you know, from having toured with him. He was my, he was the forwards coach, so I didn't have too much involvement with him. Will, but he doesn't seem like the overly sensitive type to me. And I think, 
you know, he's gone through the ringer with with everything. Uh, now I could I could imagine that some of the stuff. Obviously, he's from he's a New Zealander himself, so I would I would imagine it was tough for himself and his family down in New Zealand. You touched on it there with the the media coverage was fairly aggressive down there, um, and I suppose you get a bit of that because it's their version of soccer down there. So you get everyone's involved in rugby down there. So you could get the really aggressive strains of of media with it. You don't just get the kind of you know, is it glossy coverage you call them possibly? Is that what you get over I think in Ireland you'd be really surprised. I think in the UK, the Leinster Lady Boys, the Leinster Lady Boys, <laughs> uh, you get you get a bit of that here and there. It's funny though we talk like because some of the like that was pinned on our wall for for the year in two thousand and nine, and it spurred a few people. Some people need that stuff to to spur them on to great things. Uh, I never really paid too much attention, although I will say that I did find, I find most of Frano's articles really, really funny as a player. I never paid too much heed to, to, to the negative stuff. Uh, you know, you're kind of focused on your own job and you're, and you're, and you're kind of doing that stuff day in, day out. But funnily enough, as, as you were getting slated, I will say, and I, and I can stand over this one, actually, that I actually did find them funny um, and very, very well written, actually. So they're enjoyable, but some of the forwards, I think, mightn't have taken too... Uh, no, but back... Back to the point. <laughs> Back to the point which, We're going to stay on the agenda here. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> Nicely two, done, Will, though. <laughs> two, two elements. One is everybody has a price. So we can only guesstimate what, what he got paid for. I'd say it was a significant number. Like So if we're saying the players players are on 90 sterling, and I'm not sure, I don't think they probably factored in a draw. So 90 sterling plus a win plus I think it was another 30 or 40 grand. So mm. players with extras and a few other bits and pieces there, players should should really have come out with 100, about 130 plus. And for Gatlin to throw it all together, I mean, it must have been on a once-off 300, 300 plus. I don't know whether... Well, it's kind of... He gets wheeled out of all these remember, Land Rover events as well. Yeah, wonder, but remember, there's loads of events. things, yeah, but as well, like, is it, it, like I think it's probably a two-year job, though, isn't it? Like, he didn't coach the national team for that amount of time, so definitely he was getting compensated heavily for that gig. Well, the um, Welsh, Welsh Rugby Union would be compensated because I, I, well, that's one of the things I found very, very strange, that the Welsh Rugby Union would just let him wander off for a year. And Wales... Struggled as a, as a result every time. They struggled last time yeah, as well. They yeah, did. Struggled. So letting your number one guy wander off into the sunset and, and take a part-time job. Now, I'm, I'm sure he probably had his, his finger on the tiller and I'm sure himself and Rob Howley and, and Robin McBride would have been talking on a, on a regular basis. But anyway, letting, letting the, for the Welsh Rugby Union to let Gatland off to coach, that's, that's a big, you know, I, I think that's a big issue. So, but anyway, bottom line is he would have come out with 300. I would say, I'm only guesstimating, we, we, we don't know, but so it's 300 plus. Is that enough? Is that enough to, you know, to put Because he did have to put up with an awful lot of rubbish. He really did. So, you know, I, I'd say you might have to come with a higher figure the next time. It's, it's, it's South Africa. Um, so that's, that's the first element. Would you have him doing it next time? I, I wouldn't. I, I was surprised he got it this time. And I, I don't, it's not a reflection on him or the coaching staff. I had a great experience with them first time around, but I can imagine if there was guys doing their second tour with that bunch. Like I always like one of my one of the most enjoyable things that I found about a, the, the Lions tour I was on 
was that I got to learn something new. So I got like I got exposure to new groups of people. That's fine, like players and that. But the coaching staff, I got to learn. I, I viewed the game completely differently. Uh, well, not completely differently, but very differently when I came back from the tour. And I think that's one of the great things. I was surprised, that even though he had come off a successful Australia tour, I think that was probably more a reflection, by the way, on that Australian team. But I was just surprised that it's kind of three years in a row with a very similar staff. And I think it takes a little bit yeah. away from you'd, you'd the like whole to see maybe Lions Joe thing. or Eddie Jones get a crack at it. Well, uh, yeah, I'd awesome. say Joe didn't want the gig. Yeah. I, I, you know, I heard actually through um, a fairly, fairly good source that that Joe actually got offered to go out on a coaching ticket with Vern Cotter um, as an assistant coach, but that he actually turned it down. Um, which would be, you know, I, I'm actually not surprised. At that. And I would say as well, n knowing Joe. Um, I think he wouldn't. He'd be very reticent to go on something like that unless he was going back down south afterwards. I do think that he wouldn't want to give up all the kind of all the stuff that he the trade secrets, the trade secrets, and he really does have a lot of them. You know, because I've seen obviously the, the the Welsh setup, and I've obviously seen you know different coaches here. You think and there there's more to the Irish uh, setup, maybe? <laughs> uh, well, I would say with what Joe, you'd have to look at the numbers, like what the numbers, that, the playing numbers here, and, and what Joe's been able to produce with Leinster and with Ireland. Um, is pretty incredible, I think, and I think it's really a reflection just from knowing the guy personally and what he can bring into the setup. I would say I would be if I was him, like I'd be like another coach. I'd be dying to get Joe in there to learn as much as I could off him because well, he's an incredible coach. We can we'll park the Lions coaching discussions now for a couple more years. Anyway, move on to the, the rugby at hand, uh, the Champions Cup over the weekend. Uh, Neil Leinster probably had the most impressive win overall, bonus point win over Montpellier on paper. Anyway. Um, but I don't think you were maybe as pleased with it as the result might suggest. No, they. Uh, you need a defibrillator to to, to work <laughs> it to and watch Leinster play. I don't know why they whether they do it on purpose or. Uh, it's very hard to it's very hard to watch, uh, and they did have some great moments in it. But uh, like one of the things that uh, I, I watched in the in the pre match and you know they they, they did a vox pop and they asked Leo you know what. What's the thing about you know the before the match and he says the nerves, and he's right because <laughs> in the last in the last couple of years Leinster have done just enough and they're going to get caught one of these days, and it's it's one of the things and I made the analogy about say the World Athletics <laughs> Championships where Ireland didn't perform in any of the athletics events this year because and and you often wonder like all these all these athletes and their you know, they're talked up and then they arrive at these championships and they don't produce. And not only do they not produce, but they are so far away from their personal best for the season or the previous season. And you just say, I thought everything was geared towards the world championship. And that's it's a problem that Leinster have to focus on now because over the last couple of years, they have produced their worst performances when they most needed them. So I thought they would have trouble against Clanetley, uh, but they produced a really poor performance. You know, they were still in the match, but they didn't didn't perform. And in the previous season against Connacht, you know, in the final, when it was easier to, you know, produce a good performance and be competitive, they they did not play anywhere near the way they could play. So I don't know whether that trend continues now. So they played against Montpellier, and nobody, I did not know what to expect. Uh, it was interesting in the sense that, um, you know, so Sexton's out, first of all, and then Cruden's out, and nobody knew what sort of an effect that would have. Uh, 
I, I thought Ross Byrne played reasonably well. I, I thought what was his name, Darman, Thomas uh, Darman. Darman, yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't he didn't play particularly well, and uh, I think we were just lucky to get them. They they made so many mistakes there, but Leinster, you know, to score four tries and play as incompletely, um, you know, that the way they did, I I just sort of thought now, okay, you're you're allowed play one poor game in the pool section and I think they've had it and I, th I think I think just you know if, if we're going to get any idea any notion of their caliber and their quality and their intentions and their aspirations for for this season they got to go to Glasgow and not only win but play well and just say okay we're back well to Neil's point there there was a lot of good stuff done on the day by some young players like Alan Byrne made a lot of good inroads in attack but again was caught out defensively on a number of occasions and a few other players similarly like Ross Byrne had a couple of nice passes that put Carberry away for the first try mm -hmm. but some of his kicks out of hand and a goal were poor as well so how do they reconcile that going forward to the Glasgow game to get the complete performance that Neil was alluding to that they need I, I, do you know what I agree with part of what Neil is saying and then I, I disagree as well I actually thought um, the stats were a bit skewed defensively, and that's an area where I have, I've, you know, I've been fairly consistent well, they couldn't on tackle that. For they couldn't tackle Adolo, but listen, I don't think they're the only team that's going to struggle with that. I mean, he accounted for eleven, I think, of the twenty-one or twenty-two missed tackles uh, on the day. So they just had trouble with him. Now, what I would say is that I think there's lots of areas where they could improve. I actually thought they were way better defensively, um, bar a few bad misses on him. I thought they were way better defensively than I have seen them for quite a while. I think um, they're still struggling, I think, on short sides, and I think they're still struggling from the middle of the pitch when big guys have decisions to make around around the rook. And what happens when those guys make a wrong decision there is you end up kind of, you can end up short numbers somewhere. And I think... Well, what I've seen is they've they've obviously decided they're going to keep coming off the line, and that's high risk. You saw they got badly kind of exposed a few times against Edinburgh from the middle of the pitch, and I think they, you kind of saw Scarlets um, expose them a little bit last year, and Claremont exposed them as well from from short sides and from the middle of the pitch when you're short numbers. I just think you can't keep coming forward there all the time. But I actually thought they did that really well, and I thought they actually um, there was periods where Montpellier had the ball for long, you know, for long stretches in the first half, and they looked good. But I thought Leinster as defensive line speed was actually really really good and some of their decision making I was really surprised by Barry Daly I thought that looked way better than what I had kind of anticipated but you know I think some of the stuff was His finish was brilliant the finish was brilliant, and he look. He actually looks like he looks like a way better player than I thought he was, and and I've got a. I stand corrected on that one, to be honest. But where I feel like Leinster let themselves down a little bit on the weekend was I thought their kicking game was something that like I thought Luke McGrath had a brilliant game uh, with the boot uh, against Munster, and I thought that was a real that was brilliant for Leinster. It was an inroads into the game. I thought he was looked really composed and calm there. I don't know whether the conditions were really bad. That seemed like a mitigating factor because Pienaar, I thought, had a few dodgy ones in the second half that went out in the full as well. Um, but I thought they got the kicking strategy kind of wrong. Like they were kicking long to Nadolo, which I just thought was very odd. He's the kind of guy you'd be <laughs> kicking short to compete because you don't think he's great it in the It was air. supposed to be chased. Like I, the, the kicks, the execution of the kicks weren't bad. I just actually they weren't, they weren't chased. There but if no you look, though, he was, I think... The, like, well, the defensive not, effort on Nadala when he caught the ball on Burnham but you don't chase want, listen, so... you're not giving that guy... Oh. I don't care. There's no strategy where you'd be giving that guy 
long balls to run back at you with. He's just a nightmare. There's no way you're doing that. You're just you're kicking to compete on him. And I thought they got that wrong. I just know from being in the change room that that's not wasn't a strategy. They were either kicking over, trying to kick over his head, which they didn't do once um, in the first half when they had the wind, or they were kicking short to compete in the air with him because that's an area where they know they can get at him. They got at him there last year. That was some bad kicking, I thought, and I thought that really didn't help in the first half. But aside from that, like I think you know, an attack, you know, this is that's definitely not Leinster's concern. I think attack, they look fairly, fairly composed. I mean, they look very good with ball hand. The longer the phases go on, you can see that Stuart Lancaster's apparently is kind of lung busting training sessions, like really, really tough, tougher than games at times. You can see Leinster get really good in, in, in those parts, and I thought they look good there. It's defensively I have some concerns. I just thought as well, you know, it's probably worth saying they had a few bad decision makes, like the some poor decisions. I thought the the quick tap was a poor decision in the second half. When they'd absorbed a bit of pressure. They should have kicked that one out. Right, well, I think defensively, like they missed thirty-four tackles, and they only got seventy-seven percent of their of their of their tackling on the day, which is which is poor. I thought it was twenty-two. Twenty-two out of one. Three, yeah. No, thirty-four. Sorry. I looked at it. I thought so. They yeah. were. They were. Anyway, they were. And and if you look at it, I mean, over the course of the years, there you you can't you know when you scan you know team sheet and you just sort of say okay who've they got got to make a plan here for this guy because. You know he will make a difference if you don't pay attention to him. He'll make a difference, and it's a gener it's a generational thing. Like I played against Jonah Lumo a couple of times, and you can't just ignore him. He's there, so you're you're going to have to make and make decision to you know tackle him. So, and I, I just sort of thought like years ago Simon Gagan was the guy. So look, I'll take this guy out, not a problem. But he was only one of a, f- a number of guys who would sort of do it. And if you look at the 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 Robbie Henshaw tackle, there weren't too many people. You know, who had the same sort of attitude to tackling this guy. So he got bounced, and he I, and I looked at the at the slow mo. He actually laughed. He was smiling when he, he was to enjoy when he was bounced. going backwards. <laughs> and I, as I said, away sort of a piece there. He has this almost a gyroscopic ability to kind of stay in his feet because he didn't go to ground and he went back, and he made the tackle and then he got up and made a fantastic, uh, you know, steal from from Pinar. Uh, but th- there there is a correlation between. Um, line speed and actually making your tackles and you know Leinster really haven't fully recognized the difference between the two and they were charitable against against uh, against Munster you know particularly in the wide channels and they're going to have to make a decision here we're going to have to tighten up our defense here because Glasgow will expose them they'll have to make a couple of changes I think there'll be a few people back but they what will changes would you make I I can't see why they're continuing to pick Adam Byrne. You know, if you're if you're if you're only learning, you're only you know sort of twenty two, and he's only a young fella, and he does have talent, uh, but he missed six of his seven tackles, and he did the same against uh, against Munster. And defensively, you know, it's not you know learning how to tackle, but who to tackle, when to tackle, and having trust in the in the and the guys who are inside you and the guys who are outside you. I don't think he has a clue at this moment in time and he needs to be in a situation where you know he would learn at the on the A team because this is too important a forum like and this is this is Heineken Cup this is champions from what you've seen from his defensive ability and having played wing yourself yeah. uh, what advice would you give him or what do you think he should be working on we've talked about it a bit actually myself and Adam he, he's uh, look he's a kid who's really eager to learn and I do think 
you have to kind of you do have to expose these guys with talent to big games like but you also have to you know the, the team can't suffer while you're still learning so I get what Fran was saying um, I do think that um, Adam has huge potential and I do think that part of the reason why he finds himself in tough positions uh, defensively is I think his position especially for the try I know it was a really messy one do you know the one in the corner off the scrum and it was kind of fumbled around on the inside I do think that you know he should have been stu- if you're on the outside um, if you're on the outside of Nadolo first of all when you're tackling him you're bringing him back into where all the support is he's not a guy you want to be tackling one on one because I just don't think he'll stop him um, but also if you're from that angle you block the passing channels so I thought he wasn't able to block so when, when Pienaar dropped that ball Adam's coming straight on the ball and, and ends up being tapped past him whereas if you're coming from this angle here you end up being in the passing channel and you and you usually get a, either a, a fumble or a block but they usually don't throw the pass or they try and go over your head and off the back of that you have time to recover so I think there's a few things that like it, a lot of it is start position but I also think it goes back to this thing with Lens where you're coming off the line very very hard all the time and um, that leaves your outside guys really really exposed if you make an error on the inside and they manage to hold like, like there's lots of things that have to go right all the time for for these kind of high press um, you know high energy defences and I think at times it leaves you really exposed on the wing especially if guys on the inside don't come off the line it gives the ball handler loads of time to make a decision and that makes it really difficult out wide so I think there's probably a little bit of that going on but I also feel like with Adam part of it is realising that uh, I always think he's kind of got a footwork thing I think um, not realising that like I see him reaching for a lot of tackles he won against uh, Scarlets last year where they got that kind of crucial um, try at the start of, of the game in the first half, I think it was Johnny Davies, who's also you know a really big guy. Um, Johnny Davies, I think, just slipped off a tackle because he ends up reaching. But as soon as you go far away from your feet, it's just your body weight that you got. And if you're marking, if you're playing against big guys, which is what you're going to be playing against in big games, you go away from your power base, which is your feet. Uh, it's body weight on body weight. And I would always say that I think the best tacklers always get their their feet nice and close to where the contact's going to be. And he's got to, I think, he's got to get a little bit better at that. And and as well, his start position. I think if you start in better position you end up bringing other people into tackling big guys who, who, who are, you don't often have to make good tackles if you're in good positions it's kind of an interesting thing I, I found on the wing anyway uh, if you were good at that you actually stopped a lot of ball getting to places where or you got help from people when you were tackling someone um, a, a lot of the time and I think that's a thing that he'll learn with time but he's got to start learning pretty quickly I think One young player Neil who did have a really big impact at the weekend was James Ryan he came in on very short notice after Scott Friday I think his wife had a baby at the weekend he seemed to really rise to the occasion. We're expecting really big things from him, but already he seems to have maybe leapfrog Ross Maloney, certainly Mick Kearney. Do you see him playing a big role again this weekend? Uh, I, I think Fardy's available for selection, but I, I just start picking him. Like when it's a real cliche, when you're good enough, just just pick them. So uh, he had 10 tackles, and more importantly, like he didn't miss any. You know, and, and when you're only a kid, and that's what he is. Uh, just some of the interventions and his athleticism as well. Like he, he got on the ball three or four times there, and he didn't look like a, a child and that sort of. He there were good carries. Oh, they, they were, were solid, and they were in tough places as well. Yeah. He was like you like to see a guy offering himself up for like they were huge man. You won't play a bigger team in world rugby than them, uh, and I just thought that you know, he was offering himself in situations where there's a good chance you're going to get a smack. And he dealt with that really, really well. And that was great to see. And I think more importantly as well, the positions he was finding himself in. Like he, he like there was guys who were slipping off a tackle, but he ended up taking a nice... He wasn't panicking. He wasn't slipping into bad positions, which can happen uh, to young guys uh, at that level. And I think he looks like he's ready-made for it um, well, already. I think, the, I think the, you know, 
nowadays in, in any kind of squad, you'll have six or seven what you'd call homogenous units. And they're all big guys. They're all six foot six, six foot seven. They're all, you know, 120 kilos, you know, and, and they can bench X and whatever else. But what can you do, son? You know, so everybody can, you know, Luke could be a line-out star. You know, like Sean O'Brien's a line-out star. I and mean, even five, six years ago, Shane Jennings, you know, used to win whenever you use it. So what does a, what does a modern second row do, you know, do grunt, whatever else there. I think carrying is one of the things. So it's one of the things that that, uh, that Ryan can do. He carries very well. He's very athletic and he offloads. And I've watched him over the course of the year. He's got great hands and he's very intelligent with the ball. And he can bec become something like uh, uh, Nathan Hines, you know, a really, really intelligent player there and just offloads at the, at the right time. But just a, he's just a highly intelligent player. He could... He, he should be playing for Ireland. He should be in the squad, you know. And, and you have you have guys there. Sort of, if you don't start making inroads, pretty soon you get left behind. So you have Alton Delan, who is you know the the superstar, but Connacht don't seem to be using him, and he hasn't. He's been injured, unfortunately for him, at the wrong time. And if that sort of if that continues to happen, and you don't continue to make you know, big games when you should have, then guys will, will, will take over. So at this moment in time, you know, I, I, I thought I thought Ian Henderson and, and Delan would be, you know, starting for Ireland and, and Dev, despite all, you know, is brilliant and, and how consistent he's been over the course of the years. But certainly just this guy's coming from a way back and I think James Ryan will be, certainly he'll be in Japan in 2009 without a shadow of a doubt. And he's just got to be lucky, stay uninjured, and keep on playing the way he's playing, and he will be a superstar. Do you think Leinster need Ross Byrne this week, or Saxon this weekend? Can they win I actually thought him? Ross Byrne was really, really good. I've got to say, I mean, there is a difference between the two, but I actually didn't realise it was as close. I mean, there was huge pressure on him in that game. I know um, he'll probably come up against, you know, depending on whether Len Leinster progress in the competition, he'll come up against better teams and that, but... They're pretty damn good, and and they've got a, a you know a fairly big roster. I thought he he hung in there defensively as well. He had a few good tackles on, on the big fella, um, and as well aside from that, they had big guys. I mean, Fran Fran Stein is one hundred and five, one hundred and six kilos. Uh, absolutely, he not. runs like it as well. Like yeah, yeah. But Jason Carrey into the corner. He was moving at a funereal pace. Yeah, that was only at the turn, but he looked bloody good on that, that break. He, he, beat about, he beat about four or five guys in that break, you know, yeah. and he brushed guys like Luke McGrath is a brilliant tackler, and he brushed him like he wasn't even there. It's the it's the way the guy's mm. a huge man so I thought he dealt with all those things really well I thought he looked fairly calm I thought he delivered um, you know on, on the attacking stuff very well it's an area where I feel like he's very cross field and very um, you can kind of see his passes come when he's, he passes off his outside foot a lot which which kind of makes you not like if you look at Johnny he's so direct like he really holds the guy opposite him and if he doesn't hold he's gone himself and I think that's an area where I, I always kind of feel like Ross is it's very you really see everything as a defender you see what he's doing all the Telegraph. time Telegraph uh, yeah, telegraph's exactly the word I'm looking for. That that's completely lost. Uh, in it. But I, I do think that that he looked actually very good up there. And I don't know whether that was just bad defence by Nadolo, but he had a few lovely touches. And I think he looks like he's coming on hugely, which is great to see, because you would have had a bit, little bit of concern about that area once Johnny kind of uh, hangs up the boots. So good to see a young guy coming through. He, he like the, the real challenge for him now is whether he's going to get exposed to big games if Johnny's around. So One of, one of the things that uh, and I, I, I think Carberry has to play as well, and, and one of the trends that we're seeing now in world rugby is the rise of the small man so I thought uh, I thought Mackenzie for the All Blacks was, has oh. been sensational yeah. and Nahi Milner-Scudder 
and now you've you've a guy like Joe Carberry who you know you, you sort of think Jesus he, he's just out of, he's out of nappies and mm. and he has th that that try we were talking about there just mm. shows the the guy's pace he's very very quick and everybody all everybody's realizing now he seems to have time on the ball and we're going to have to actually look at that and see how all these great players do have time on the ball but. I think he's if if he plays as well as he as he played last week. I think Leinster have a, have a very good chance. Yeah. We'll move on to Munster's pool now, Neil. They obviously had a seventeen-all draw with Cash last weekend, and they have Rossing ninety-two coming to Town Park at the weekend. Coming, um, they're quite heavily favoured to win that game, and I was actually surprised with how heavy favourites they were to win the pool outright going into the tournament because I haven't been overly impressed with them the last couple of weeks. What did you make overall of their opening game? Um, like Castor. Whatever you say about them, they they play lovely football. Uh, but they they have collectively they've the you know a heart the size of a pea. Uh, because <laughs> they really that crossfield kick from the hooker was pretty spe yeah. special. I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> but their their propensity just to hoist yeah. the the white flag, you know. So you know, draw two points after. Now they could come back and and I think they're playing. Are they playing Leicester? You know, away, away next mm -hmm. week, and they they could surprise everybody. But I I'd say. Let's see what sort of a team they pick. But they, they could have won. They could have won that match. I, I I wrote a piece for the for the Indo for Thursday about the just the cynicism and professional cheating in 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 sport, and particularly in rugby. And and uh, I mean that match. There were half a dozen incidents that. How Copeland got away with that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. mental. That was no, just a really bad. Yeah. So, but the ref that 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 is on the referee to pick that up. Yeah. That's really bad, you know. Well, propri propriety and, and, and fairness uh, are, are, I think, are fundamental of the game. And, you know, so uh, Caballero, all he had to do was catch the ball and Conor Murray just clipped his, clipped his ankle. So that not only was that uh, a yellow card, and he got the yellow card, but that was a penalty. Or, so that was a penalty try. So it's seven points. And then... Uh, Zebo had absolutely no chance of catching the ball to Taylor Paris, no chance of catching it, and that was a yellow card and a penalty try. So, you know, Munster unbelievably get away with it, you know, <laughs> and and uh, you know after after I say a dozen minutes, you know, it's still nil all, where it could have been, you know, it could have been fourteen nil, and Munster had two, two players in the bin, mm -hmm. so. Uh, Munster just have this ability to survive, and uh, you know they ride their luck as as well as any other team. And, and particularly, they don't have a huge, don't have a huge amount of of experienced guys, guys who know how to how to win. And none of that team have won. You know what? What if they? What if they won? They got to a semi final yesterday or sort of last year, and that's you know that's as far as they can go. But uh, so they rode their luck, and they were they were unlucky in the sense that. When they were under the sticks, and uh, Eberson came around from the side, a more cynical play, just came from completely the wrong side. And I, I think now this is the, this is the point I made there that they actually designate players to do the stupid stuff. You can't get props who are traditionally very stupid people to do. <laughs> I think my dad to has something to say to that. I was thinking of him specifically. Yeah. I was wondering about that. So. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so you you can't you know when you're stuck uh, under your post there and and you're in a ruck situation and prop you can't afford to get a prop binned because first scrum you got to take off your back row you got to put another prop on and that really messes things up so 
I, I think they designate players to do this. So Munster were going to score. All Murray had to do was pick the ball up and touch the posts, and it was a, it was a try. Everson comes round, you know, stay, save seven, give away three. He gets he gets binned, and but Munster incredibly with a scrum under the post opt not for the scrum. You know, so you have a split defence, and they have a scrum under the post, and they choose to take three points. So cynicism wins out again. I thought Munster were unlucky, and that's it. They should have scored it. That should have been that should have been seven, and you know, penalty try. And uh, anyway, the the game went backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. But it was, you know, for such, uh, you know, their back three for Munster's back three. Like I, I think Keith Earls. I I never really kind of rated him highly, but in the last year, year and a half, he just has become absolutely dynamic he has become very I don't know about you Luke now sort of whether I never rated him as a guy with gas but when oh, he, no, he's but when, been, but yeah. when he had what but when your man Aberson uh, intercepted Chris Farrell's uh, pass the speed that, know, he, he's, that he came yeah, back yeah, yeah, you know on rubbish. the angle mm. so and he's been in, in great form mm. for the last mm. you know so are they utilising him no they're not <coughs> <clears throat> I think like the thing with with Erzy, I always think is, um, I mean he's an unbelievable finisher. I mean you just the yeah. stats just don't lie on oh, that yeah. one, you know. Um, you know I always think that he's kind of one of those guys, a bit like myself. He was kind of chucked around from position to position. I always feel like he's a bit he can do a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I think on the wing it's really his position. He's actually a he's a lovely passer of the ball as well. I'd love to see him get involved a little bit more uh, for them. But then like I mean. Like there's two things as a winger, you know, you should be one of the guys getting on the ball as much as possible. You should kind of be. I always believe that you should be given a bit of a free roll because you are the quickest on the pitch. You are the most dangerous. Who scores the most tries on every team is always the winger. There's a reason why it's because you're the most dynamic and the hardest to stop. Particularly him, he's a superb, and he's actually got great handling skills as well. Just a guy I'd love to see a bit more involved. I think Simon Zebo plays that role really well, actually, where he actually gets involved everywhere on the pitch it, and he does that really well. Is he uncertainty at ten hindering them, like you know, playing out? Keekly, I don't think there is any you know. uncertainty there, Will. You know, I, I actually think Blaindell is their number one. I think they've decided that. I think I what agree. they're uh, and, yeah. and I do think that um, you know, another guy you know who's gonna suffer with a bit of this moving around everywhere was JJ Hanron. Like he's already out of the playing picture. for the A team last weekend. Yeah, but like I just he, like he's a lovely footballer, you know, and I think he's absolutely in my mind not a fullback. He is absolutely not a fullback. His positioning was off, his timing was off. There was low like Leinster had loads of opportunities to actually put well, ball in behind him because he was up too early. The, the less Hanrahan played, the more his reputation grew lovely, though, because you know, Keatley wasn't performing particularly uh, well. I'm telling you now, I, was I, I know JJ like, played against him. fans clamoring for him have actually no, no, watched him consistently. He, He's a nice. I'm telling you, he's been moved around in the wrong place all the time. He's an abs he's absolutely a ten, and you need to give him opportunities in ten. Um, you know, and I just I'm surprised already that he's been shunted out to the A team. Bottom, I think. What have you well, made of the, the kind of the three way battle there? No, bottom line here is the reason he left was because he wasn't good enough to get into the Munster team, and he left, and he's back, and he's still not good enough, and he didn't really set the world alight when he was with Northampton, and I don't think he's going to set the world alight. Here either he's he's a dinky player. He's got good hands, but can he control a game from you? Something he couldn't do two years ago, and something now that I would reckon that he can't. And Ian Keatley gets a bad press, uh, and he can play bad games. There's no question. I, I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. You know, sometimes he plays really well, and sometimes he plays you know badly. And you know when he comes on as a closer, and he makes a lot of mistakes. But 
in training, the Munster management look and say, who's our best option here? And every time Ian Keatley comes out ahead of you know what the, what the opposition will be. So I, I think the way it is now, it's it's Blaindal, Keatley and Hanrahan. And Hanrahan will be spending, I think, a lot of time on the A-team because he's not good enough and he can't manage the game. And you would have thought that two years in Northampton, he might learn something because... You know, he didn't. He didn't get that much game time either. You know, so he was he was second choice. So seems I, to fall into that bracket of guys for me who has been in situations where there's like there's not an out and out winner for that ten jersey. No, so like and and that's a really really difficult role to play. Yeah. I I've got to say, um, you know, you listen to guys like Raj who who would definitely know. Like he knows a guy's ability. Sees him trying. He speaks really highly of JJ and. I always feel like, you know, nine and ten especially are positions where, uh, and probably at hooker as well, um, a few positions I just think you need to play all the time. You need to you need time. You need like ten games. And you're just, I just don't see him ever getting that. Uh, and I think as well, he's probably one of those guys who's had opportunities and probably hasn't taken them. Uh, and off the back of that, you know, he ends up in these 50-50 races where, like, he's in with Myler over over in Northampton, where he couldn't even beat out yeah. Myler. Well, yeah. well, like, hang on, Myler. Well, now, I do respect the Myler. He's a decent player. But, but Myler falls into that bracket of guys who's supremely talented, but hasn't like he he's hot and cold on the big occasion. You saw it, like. like uh, he's a guy you can play brilliantly for them. He can have thirty points in a game, and then he for have, surviving he, this long. I take my hat off to him. Well, there's a reason never, he survived this long because yeah. he he like, and I think you see with Northampton's results, like they're kind of they're a real hot and cold team. And I think <laughs> off the back of that, like he's probably one of the main reasons for that, uh, because he can be brilliant. So you might see this guy in training all the time, and he's really you know really hot in training. But when it gets to to matches, he just doesn't seem to be able to produce pretty the consistently. Maxim, the maximum in terms of team selection is you pick your best player in his best position all of the time. And the messing that they did, and again, a further, I think, further devalues, you know, the Leinster-Munster, you know. Oh, it was crazy battles. stuff. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. So, you know, Blaindal is not a centre. He can pass. He's a great passer, but he's not a centre. And JJ Hanrahan, not a fullback. No. Um, so I, I don't know what they were doing with, with that sort of thing, but... Uh, I'm pretty certain that Blaindal, if he's if he's fit, will be playing against uh, Dan Carter next. Uh, yeah, we'll finish things off just with a word on Ulster as well, Neil. Um, they beat Wasps in the opening night, deprived them a bonus point as well, which could be crucial. The first half was pretty atrocious. The weather conditions didn't help. Yeah. Second half, though, Jacob Stockdale is developing into such a fantastic talent. At this stage, he, he could probably be pushing for a starting spot, do you think, in the November series? Um, he'll be in the squad, but I think he's going to have to bide his time. The Fiji match, you know, probably probably see him get it. Uh, uh, he got capped. He got capped in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I saw him in the under twenty World Cup, and I thought he was he played a full back there. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's big, and he's an intelligent player, and he finishes well. I I'm just not sure about Ulster, you know. And I've said this before, you know. I, I the, there's probably another uh, beer. Beer hall pooch coming, and uh, <laughs> I think uh, you know Les Kiss. You know they they just get rid of their coaches. You know, and, and player power works up there. And you know if they have another fallow season, which they're more than likely to do. Like, and, and if you look at them, I mean they have. I mean their backline is 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 really it's really good, and it's not it's not firing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the you know the talent they have there and. The pack is pretty decent, but I, I just think 
I think they're going to get past back. the issue. Yeah. Like I mean, you just well, like, could they miss could see for it. another year. They miss could see it. I mean, yeah. he's been a like he's an unbelievable player. He's been a dud of a signing, you know. And well, dud is unfair. He tore his. That, but, that, but no, yeah, I'm talking yeah. with the signing yeah, as, yeah, as okay, a signing. Right, yeah, not talking yeah, with him as a yeah, player. Yeah. Like we all know, he's absolutely yeah, I mean, five he's, games in two seasons. It's going to be. Like, it's, it's been a door of a signing for them because yeah. they haven't been able to get any games out of the guy, and he's mm. absolutely world class. We like, there's no doubting that he's been really unlucky with injury, um, but as a signing, it hasn't worked out for him. And I think what happens then for me is that you know too much of the burden. Uh, of, of carrying falls on Ian Henderson's shoulder, shoulders and on Daysell's shoulders. They just don't have another guy there to, to, to shoulder the burden. You look at Leinster's pack and, you know, regardless of what we, we I, I will have personal opinion, like about uh, some of the defensive stuff, um, like Leinster will always get momentum in tight because they've got guys like Keane Healy, they've got Ty Furlong, they've got, you know, even Devin Toner is a good carrier, but all the back, all the, the back row guys, all the options can carry for you. Uh, whether that's a Dan Levy, Jack Conan's a serious player. You've Josh Van der Flyer's a good carry in there. You've Sean Cronin, who's a brilliant carrier. James Tracy's a solid carrier. I just don't see that with Ulster. I don't see guys. I mean, Rodney Ayew can come on, um, but I just don't know if he's. You know, I don't know if he can cut it for for a long enough on the pitch. I, think I just think you yeah. don't get momentum in tight, so no. you never get to release these guys. They always have an extra guy and always have an extra body to to defend the backline. That's the key issue for me there because I think they'll get it right with John O'Gibbs. But personnel-wise, they need another one or two carriers. They're, they're away. They're playing a French team away, and they always struggle when they beat a pa- or when they meet a pack that will beat them up. And that La Rochelle pack will just go do a number on them. And I, I can see another bonus point. Uh, you know, for La Rochelle, ten points. They'll struggle to stop eating and and veto vetoes. Uh, like unbelievable I think Kevin Gordon as well the open side having a really good yeah but too. like Vito was player of the year last year I think wasn't he in top 14 um, he, he's an absolutely quality operator and, they have uh, they have power and size and then they have a lot of I mean the Eaton. back line word. I mean yeah. that Troy the uh, Dumaru yeah Jeffrey Dumaru yeah. oh I mean it was they look like and, and I think they've been playing like that all season from what I get yeah they don't, don't get I suppose depressed they're a bit like Exeter you look through their team sheet and they don't have like maybe as many marquee names as the, mm. the Clemons, the Toulons, but yeah. just look at their results. They topped the top 14 last year with ease. Now, I know they were beaten by a late drop goal in the semi-final, but they have a good body of work there to suggest that they're maybe ready to yeah. start taking a couple of big more scalps. Yeah, well, I mean, they were they were great to watch against Quinn. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights, but yeah, I mean, yeah. geez, they, they were, <laughs> some, of the, some of the tries were, were absolutely top quality. Now, Quinn's are shaky enough at the best of times, to be honest, but um, that group's going to be a great one to watch, you know, because I think none of the defences are that great for me. Uh, I mean, you saw Watts, I mean, the try, even the, the was it the Stockdale try, I mean, how Christian Wade, who is right next to Stockdale when he passes inside, doesn't tackle. <laughs> you don't need to take a guy out, you don't need to, like, clean him out with a shoulder. Just tackle him around the hips, take him down. It's never been a strong suit, I don't think. Uh, no, but it's just, bra- it's brain dead. It's brain dead, you know, and you look at Wasp's squad and they should be world class. They should be, you know, they should be absolutely outstanding because uh, they've got it everywhere. You know, they have it in the pack and uh, I know they're missing guys at the moment, but the back line there is, is top quality, you know, and they've loads of attacking, you know, they're brimming with attacking talent, but... Um, defensively I mean you just can't carry guys who are going to be like that you can't do it they'll let you down the big stage and and, and good players like even the likes of uh, an Adolo like you like teams will come up with a plan and they will be able to stop you if they throw enough numbers at you and they get you in the right positions for me you, to be a you know, world class player defensively you've got to contribute I always operate on the premise that if you're playing against a team who are as good as you um, you're going to have 50% of the ball and you're going to be defending for 50% of the time for, for the most part I think you can, go, you can go forward under that premise and I think if you can't defend properly you're an absolute liability in the big games and, and someone like Christian Wade like that, that, that for me was exactly what he's all about is that you just can't carry him in a tight game away from home 
if he tackles Stockdale, doesn't even take him out badly. Just tackle him, get him down to ground. Ulster don't score that try. Yeah, Neil, we'll just finish up with, I guess, overall, this weekend, the three Irish matches in Champions Cup. How do you see them going? Uh, I think Munster will get their, their act together and a, a, a professional, competent, if uninspiring, performance against uh, against Paris. Um, I think the match of the of the um, of the weekend will be the the Glasgow game, mm-hmm. and Glasgow model themselves. I mean, uh, I know Gregor reasonably well, and they just looked at Leinster from afar and said, "We can do that," mm-hmm. and they've modelled their everything mm-hmm. on on Leinster and how they play and whatever else. And they've lost uh, a couple of their superstars, but. Um, they're good enough to beat Leinster and beat them well. So uh, if Johnny's playing, Joey Carby's playing reasonably well, and uh, they defend, now they really do have to defend just a little bit more than line speed because I was just looking at Finn Russell there. He made a couple of mistakes at the weekend, but his array of skills, particularly the little dink in behind, yeah. because that's what Ex- Exeter pressed really well as well, and he just chipped in, chipped him, and kept them on it. So that'll be, a, that'll be an arm wrestle, but... Uh, Leinster can win it, uh, and I I think I think Ulster are going to get stuffed. <laughs> That's Luke. Uh, three, three quick predictions. I think the Ulster game will be tight, um, but I see La Rochelle winning that at home. Um, they look like like you said, there's a body of work there that suggests that they're uh, a quality team, and I think that uh, they look really good against Queen. So I expect them to win that, but I do think Ulster will. It'll be a tight enough affair. Um, I think the Munster won. Um, I, it's it's such a hard one to call. You got guys like Vakatawa there uh, playing thirteen, who are just is such an unknown quantity. But the back three there, him off at, at fifteen on the weekend, um, you know Rocco Coco on one wing, uh, as well. I mean they have quality there, and then you got that front row. I think you got Benarus on the bench, but you've Sarzetsky and uh, you've got Census Johnson, who I don't know how good he is, but like if it's He's a tight like thirty eight, if it's so a if not, it's a messy very, game, but if it's a messy game, um. You know, and they also have uh, I can't remember. It's his. I, I'm, what's his bloody name? The the uh, Naka Nakarewa, uh, at at in the lock. Like he he's a like he can be undefendable on there. Yeah. So that's a tough enough one away from home. Um, and I think that Raj will have them. You know, they'll have a good plan together to to play this monster team. Uh, I actually see Racing maybe uh, nipping that one, but monster with a bonus point. And Leinster um, Glasgow to finish it. Leinster Glasgow. I think Leinster will win. Um, I think you know. Um, you know, Hogback is big, would be big for, for Glasgow, but I think Leinster might have a little bit too much in the pack for them. It'll be a dogfight up there. Um, but I see, Le- like, Leinster, that front row. I mean, you got Jack McGrath, Keane Healy's playing brilliant rugby, kind of under the radar. It's weird. He was the best loose head in the world at a point uh, a couple of years ago. Um, a friend of mine actually said, geez, why Luke keeps mentioning Keane Healy? Well, I think he's been playing brilliantly. I said this last year. I, th- I thought he should have gone on the tour ahead of uh, John Marler, actually, uh, in the summer. Um... And he struggled with injuries, but I just think he, like, if you look at the damage he does when he comes on, he's been unbelievable. Marler said the thing he learned on that tour was how to drink, so maybe it would have been better off bringing they someone better who would have off contributed bringing, but Healy something actually, else. Healy actually could have started, like, you know, if, if, like, I'm just surprised he hasn't started many games for Leinster, to be honest. I think if you look at the carry, he looked, like, he looks back to himself. For the last bits, you know, six to nine months, that carry he had, you see the carry he had in the, in, in the second half when he came on, and the destruction scrum-wise, he looks... He just looks really destructive. I, mean, I was surprised. He's so athletic around the pitch. I think Tyg Furlong is just a 
player. Hopefully, hopefully Healy makes the plane for uh, for Glasgow. Teed you up there, but uh, <laughs> I think Scott Fardy back is big as well. I think James Ryan is brilliant, um, but I think Scott Fardy is actually a really, really good sign. He, I think he's the, the pick of the signings um, that were made this year. But well, we obviously haven't seen James Lowe yet, but um, Scott Fardy looks like a brilliant player. So I think Lancer might have too much in the pack for them. Yeah, well, I actually think I agree with John Lancer. I think they're going to eke out a, a close win if Johnny Sexton plays. I actually agree with you on the Rassen game as well. I have a feeling that Rassen could go to Tolman Park and win. They were very poor there last year and and, and at home to Munster as well. But I just, I'm just not overly impressed with Munster in the last couple of weeks and I think they're in danger of an upset. And for Ulster, I'm kind of somewhere between you and Frano. I actually think they could get a losing bonus point. I don't know if Frano thinks they're going to get stuffed, but I think they're going to get a losing bonus point and going to keep them in the hunt going into those back-to-backs. Well, that's all we have time for on the left wing this week. I'd like to thank Neil Francis for coming in. Luke with me, as always. We'll be back next week with that big Connick special I talked about earlier in the show with Jay Keenan, the Connick Flanker. Until then, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, independent.ie, or SoundCloud. Thanks so much for listening, and until next week, goodbye.